Patriot power. You're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You know the number. The official podcast of the 1900 Hot Dog comedy website. I'm uh, the internet's Sean Baby from the World Wide Web. And uh, I'm here, of course, with uh, Robert Brockway, the cracked legend and 1900 Hot Dog legend. Welcome, Robert Brockway. Well, hi there. Happy to be here. Steady, steadfast. It's appropriate. I'll take both of them and run with them. Yeah, you deserve it. And with us, another cracked legend and our old friend, Michael Swaim. It gave me a headache, that intro. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm a bit much. A lot of people say that. Only at the beginning, you Jiminy Glicked it in terms of energy instead <laughs> of tits. <laughs> you started very into a dog zone. And then you were like, hey, Robert, how's it going? It's good to see you, buddy. So I don't know what energy to strike. It's true. I I'll, I'll, I really I'll think Jiminy Glick is, is how I learned all my uh, broadcast skills. Well, comedy is just the rapid interchange of high and low pitch. That's we know this. all yeah, it is. You want to wildly yeah. <laughs> swing between them. You want to just unpredictably, frighteningly swing between manic and depressive at all times. So, Michael Swain, Michael Swain, what have you? What have you been up to, my good sir? There you go. I like a smooth sine wave, just very predictably, <laughs> very high, very low, mm-hmm. very high, very low. Set your watch by that shit. That's <laughs> funny. What have I been working on? Uh, thanks for asking. I'm working on a bunch of stuff at all times. Uh, I recently put up my first piece at 1900 Hot Dog, yeah. which I'm very proud of. Very erotic where piece. I spent, spent, thank you, sir. I spent 30 days uh, living solely on VR porn, and that's kind of true, meaning yeah. I did- You did a lot of research. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'm going to pull back the curtain here and admit (laughs) the articles, let's say exaggerated, but, uh, but I did download and play in depth over the course of several months, actually, all these VR porn games. One of them was mostly ninjas. I didn't even get to the most disturbing ones. Like there's one called gun and sex. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't sound disturbing at all. That's you can just pose women and put like gags and get masks on them and then pose guns pointing at them in oh 3D yeah space. i don't like it's that dark that's shit. a twist I yeah See, I, I thought, thought you would that. be uh, violating them with the guns so it's not as dark as it can be and uh, i'm sure i just plotted out the sequel to that game and i apologize that's true and uh, yeah there's some element of i think shooting them in the pussy to make them oh, come okay. i didn't explore oh. it for too long because oh. i immediately thought the tone was not conducive to comedy right you know i, I was just thinking about that while i was reading that article because i've uh I've done an article on uh, porno games before, and it always strikes me as how, like, there's no, like, people don't share in any kind of a uh, a porno game culture. There's no, like, Grand Theft Auto of porn games. It's just every time I look at them, I'm like, this is just a swamp of shovelware. Like, has no one ever made a good porno game that people are like, oh, yes, I play that one. It's it's erotic and serves its function. It's just like... I don't think there is a AAA adult game. Like, remember what a big deal so? it was? You don't think there's, when... like, some community that has decided and gotten just fanatical about some sort of porn game? I don't think it would cross over to, like, outside their community is my point. Like, someone who just enjoys casually browsers or something, is there a game where you could hand that person and like, oh, cool, this is, like porno but i control it with a controller but it holds up to like video game standards like right. remember what a big deal it was when they made that triple x pirates movie 
that was porn, but it was like oh, a yeah. real movie. Like they fought CG skeletons in between boning and uh, boning skeletons. I get it. And then uh, you, it's that's pretty did they cute. Fuck, did they fuck the skeletons? I'll watch it. I don't think they, they fucked the skeletons. the skeletons. I think they fought skeletons then oh, fucked. Right. Well, There's bullshit. no way it was worth the money put into it. I think a bunch of porn actors just wanted to pretend to make a real mm-hmm. movie. And it um, worked in the way that I've heard of that movie. And uh, I don't, you know. Yeah. Outside of X-X-X-Virus, articles, I don't really, I you know, called. enjoy the pornographic industry. I have some good friends who are sex workers and I, I good, God bless them. But it's, you know, I my thing is like. Does Leisure Suit Larry count, do you think? I wouldn't I mean, I think know that so. We're that's, going way back with this. They're but. comedically raunchy point-and-click adventure games. I don't know that you would jerk off to Leisure Suit Larry, though. Yeah, it would take some effort. I mean, you could do it. You can jerk off to anything. Well, what's amazing to me is these VR porn games are, like you can tell by the way they're structured, they are designed to actually masturbate, too. You can tell but, by the vaginas and the way but, they are Well, everywhere. you know what I mean. Leisure Suit Larry is like, you could, but it's not really designed for that. But this is. This is uh, jerking slash revving material, and yet you have to have a giant thing on your head, and you're holding wands. Right. Like, you do have to control them. It's bizarre, man. I don't really understand but that's why it's perfect for one nine hundred hot dog, right? It's the detritus of a thing that they, that you can do. You didn't have to, but you did it. So let's explore it. I wonder if there's here. if there's a peripheral. Could you get a hand peripheral for your oh. VR wand so that you can jerk off without letting go of the wand? There is a. I believe me. I did robust research. Uh, there's a. Um, a blowjob machine you can put on and I'm see it's so gendered like I don't know what the female equivalent is but there's a blowjob machine uh for people with penises that can hook to the game this is so just... you could do the VR blowjob and then feel it and tame I couldn't look you in the eye if you saw that in my house it's so much effort to come it's so much <laughs> <Right>. money <laughs> like just to do this simple task <laughs> Like what am I? What am I, Brett Michaels? I don't need to be industrially milked nine times a day. Just exactly. I gotta say now. So my version of the Jiminy Glick thing is, and I do actually believe this. I like to fuse the most base taboo human thing possible uh, with cleverness and high class like structure. Mm. I think I think that's funny. So let me jump to the other thing I'm working on because I am very excited about it. If, if people don't know who are listening, I uh, I'm the head of video at IGN now, the video game journalism site, mm. and I have no idea what this has to do with video games. But you guys and you two specifically would be excited. I've kind of tricked them into letting me do cracked stuff ah. in the sense that this video feature I'm working on now is a 50-minute video essay that I have spent months researching. I got to talk to the guy who wrote the screenplay for Groundhog's Day. I got to talk to all these amazing people. And uh, the topic is why time loops are so prevalent in gaming and entertainment right now. And I can name like Quantum League, Death Loop. Anyway, there's a bunch of video games and a bunch of movies. Happy Death Day, Palm Springs, Boss Level, on and on. Looper, Boss Level. Yeah, it really is uh, like somebody ARQ, discovered Groundhog Endless. Day for the first time, and they're just going nuts with it. Yes, everyone's obsessed with time loops right now, and I have a theory that's very fucking smartass, and I think very elegant. Yeah. About what that means about society and the future storytelling, and why we're doing that. 
Well, you're not going to uh, share it now, though. So look forward to that. Of course not. You have to watch the video. No, no. That's that, a spoiler. You just get a taste. It has something to do with the accelerating nostalgia cycle. Mm. And I bet you, with your guys' minds, you probably could fill in the rest. But yeah, listeners will have to that. catch the video. Yeah, the, you dumbasses yeah. without our genius minds, so you'll have to wait for the video. But me and Brockway exactly. already get it. I promise you. We got it oh, before it Yeah, the it accelerating happened. nostalgia cycle. That's that's very funny. <laughs> I understand that. That's very funny. It was funny. Uh, I didn't know the premise <laughs> of Palm Springs, and I was watching it with my fiance, and uh, Andy Samberg came on, and 10 seconds into the scene, I went, oh, he's Groundhog Day. So like that's, like, that, that's the kind of mind you're mm, dealing John with. John Groundhog Day. <laughs> And switching to games, I was shocked that like the exact same thing is happening in gaming. There's, mm-hmm. well, the stats are cleaner on the movie side because uh, we so catalog movies. Like uh, Wikipedia even has it listed and TV Tropes does as well. Movies and series by the trope time loops, right? And between 2000 and 2010, there were like eight. Mm-hmm. And between 2010 and 2020, there were 36. Okay. So something's yeah, happening. It feels and the like same's 36. true in gaming. I yeah. believe you. That might correlate just to the increase in media and video game, video games. You produced. think even in just the last ten years? Maybe. I don't know. I don't maybe because I can think of older examples like Braid or Prince of Persia: Sands of Time, but mm-hmm. I swear this year we have Quantum League. We have anyway a bunch of video right. games that involve. I feel like a video game. Twelve minutes in a video game sense, it like helps explain like what's going on, like. There's so many games that, that it doesn't make a lot of sense that you start over and, and play the same thing, but I don't know. That's what I loved because I got to ask a lot of these developers because IGN has you know legit connections, which is an awesome privilege. So I got to ask people who make these games and some of them, even the very simple games, like there's this game called Minute that resets every 60 seconds. Very fun game. And they got deep because I asked leading questions like, do you think there's a reason psychologically, you know, you know, collective subconscious that this is happening? And they got into it, even though their game's very simple. They were like, yes, I do. And they wrote this whole thing. And then this guy who uh, directed Luigi Antonio, director of 12 Minutes, an upcoming time loop game featuring Willem Dafoe as the lead character, which is dope, uh, was like, nah, I don't know. You know, video <laughs> games reset. So I figured time loops reset. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say it would be great if somebody was just like... No. I was like, do you think there's a reason in society that this is happening? He's like, I think people try to make too much out of stuff like that. It's like it's in a bug's life. You know, it's just a coincidence. He's like, you're always reading into stuff. And I'm like, hey, dude, you just dismissed my entire career. (laughs) Making more of this is all I have. You might be a nerd, sir, is what what he was saying to you. Essentially, yeah. I'll still play his game if I get to play as Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Only if I get to yeah, play so. Ed. Not if he's a side character. I don't give a shit about that. I want a Willem Dafoe simulator or bus. Oh, you play, <laughs> I believe you play as Willem Dafoe, oh, who uh, his wife gets brutally murdered in front of him. And, and it means resets nothing. Every... It means nothing about society. <laughs> That's right. Every 12 minutes it resets and he just watches it again. Just like, eh. It's fine. He accepts this. <laughs> he got to pick any time to time loop. And he's like, you know what? The time my wife got murdered, I'd like to see that over and over again. She was an unpleasant woman. And the Time Lord's like, dude, are you sure? And Willem Dafoe's like, hit the button, buddy. Hit that loop button. <laughs> He's like, you could loop. just say no deal and continue your life as normal. Hit the button. <laughs> you don't want to pick like a tender moment or like a, a wonderful sexual conquest. You're like, no, no, no. That, that really unpleasant. Watching her die. That's- and the game Who is called it wasn't a Murder tender loop. moment. <laughs> that's Sorry. true Willem oh, Dafoe's Murder Loop there is a game called Death Loop that looks awesome 
I can't wait for Deathloop. Is it Willem Dafoe's Deathloop? No, it's uh, two hitmen trying to <laughs> kill each other, and they keep going back in time to kill the other one before the other one goes back in time to kill them. It's It looks See? complicated Again. and fun. I, I'm on board for that. I did really like Boss Level. I saw that uh, I don't know, a couple months back. I, I got a leaked uh, trailer. And uh, One, I don't know if you guys played Dishonored, but those games, it's by the same studio that did those games. Oh, okay. They're quite good. Yeah, those Arcane. are good. Yeah. What's the show about? It, uh, I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> I listened to one with Jason, and it was, seemed very planned out. There was a whole thing. Oh, no, we don't do that no. anymore. Thesis. We, oh, good. Okay, yeah. great. We never really did that. It just happened a few times, and people were like, oh, hmm. Like, we have no way to sustain this. Yeah, I uh, I suggested to Jason what we're going to talk about, and he decided to just do so much research, and he was in our Slack just showing us all the stuff he was working on. He shared all these Google Docs and and so then we're like, God damn it, now we got to do it too. And so we did have one episode that was intensely researched. I wrote like fake Dennis Miller jokes and made him guess it. And um, Oh, yeah, I heard it. It was really good, but episodes. we're never doing that again. I will do that for an article and I will do that for my own podcast. But I'm not going to do that yeah, to guest on. on someone else's fuck, podcast. Fuck us, At most you point. watch a movie. Yeah, watch a movie, you know, read half of something. And you show up here Stuff to be like talked that. at and that's all you're going to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rockway, what are you what are you working on? Let's 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 keep things moving. Well, I just finished it and I was very excited to find it and finally find a chance to talk about it. It's called uh Sensei Rainbow and the Dojo Kids. So I'm looking for our site. <laughs> Fuck, that's the name of my time loops article. <laughs> Shit. It's the name of my funk band. It's the name of everything. <laughs> it's such a good title. And it's by the guy that did the karate rap. If you either remember it from just being a meme like 12 years ago mm-hmm. or remember the article I wrote about it. Its name is... Uh, Are you referring to Go Ninja, Go Ninja Go? It's no, close. that's the ninja rap, you idiot. No, it's like a, like a video you might have seen go around the internet where he's singing like, uh, karate, train your body. And it's like right. kind of overly produced, but super, super bad. And it was so long no. ago. It was 1986. Oh, it. it was not ironic at all. And uh, probably one of the first white guys genuinely trying to rap. And anyway, I it was a kind of a goofy, harmless video, but I had always wanted to know where it went. So the premise of the article that I wrote was just me tracking this guy to the ends of the earth <laughs> and finding everything about him. And I did, and I didn't feel good about it, but I, I put it up on the site anyway, and we all... We all shared in my misery. Yeah. And uh, his name is Dave Seeger. And I discovered that not only did he just do this his whole life, that's just made crap for me to make fun of his whole life, mm-hmm. but uh, everybody in his family individually, and I mean everybody, also did this going back. Oh, going back three generations. Say. Going back to the 1920s. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a. That's an indie. They're the movie. family. That's that an made... indie comedy right there. The Von Trapps of shitty memes. Exactly. Like... Exactly. That is exactly yeah. what they are. They were. Uh... All we've ever done has been professional losers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> since the 1920s. Their biggest claim to fame was that they made wow. Batfink. That was like that does sound right, familiar. Nothing. No, but it's like maybe I've heard of that, but no, it's just. It's more. Do you guys know the from a similar period? I I, I think like 2008 ish. Uh, Speak the rapper, he's very good. If you haven't seen that video, look it up. Okay. Where he's like, no. stop your business. The business is the killing of the children. <laughs> Jesus. No more business. So he's got a message. It's good. It's a it's a song that's designed to like save the world mm-hmm. and stop all war. If you stop all war, the children can live. It's it, very I good. mean, there's a logic. I'm not doing there is justice. a logic to that. <laughs> it is. It's and I don't well, I don't disagree with it. It doesn't with sound this like segment. any karate rap though. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to look up karate rap after this for sure. 
Anyway, it, it wasn't. This one's not about karate rap. That was a while ago. It's the same guy that did it, Dave, Dave Seeger, who insists on being called Sensei Dave, which is your first major red flag. <laughs> he try, kept trying to make you know karate shows happen, so he made a really super low budget, just independent, family produced uh, pilot for a kids program about the magic of karate. Only he met that literally. Like karate is magic. Oh, it, it commits really? magic. Really. And like he does karate blasts that just make magic things happen and he tries to Oh like keep like he has key power. No, no, like like he does a karate blast and it summons a caterpillar and then he does like a little oh. hand vogue thing and it turns into a butterfly. Like he's a, a oh, but whimsical because it's, it's for kids. It's the magic. Very, is very you didn't learn that when you were a kid. Shit. I th- Five, I, six, I learned that when I was a yellow belt. I thought he'd like stand next to a mountain, chop it down with the edge of no, my hand. No, karate, there's no there's no karate. It's no like badass karate magic. <laughs> no, okay. there's no Summon karate. a giant snake. It's karate magic completely absent of karate. Like even the kids don't really do karate. They just kind of pretend like they're going to do karate and then they dance around and fall down. But they and call him sensei? It's, it <laughs> happens in a karate class and he talks about What's how karate. It's in a dojo. It's so strange. It's all, it's like 20 shows merged but into see not- they got me fuck this is exactly what that family wants mm-hmm. is for me to go but that doesn't make sense these things don't belong together that's yeah that's what they do I think you're projecting your own feelings does. onto their madness i think like, i yeah. think their madness is totally genuine no they're fast my fascination i'm just saying and like, you were saying earlier that fascinated. you don't even like bad movies you're like i don't get why people like bad movies but look at how but fascinated I- you are just with the idea of a bad karate show it's so but bad. I wouldn't want to sit and like shotgun 10 episodes of that show, probably, unless I had friends physically around me to riff with. Well, sure. Does that make sense? Okay, so watching a bad movie, I'll take back if there's like incisive comedy minded friends for me to riff with there. Right. But I know you and I know Dave Bell also is this way, like a bad movie just tickles you. Brockway, are you like that? Oh, yeah. It's like 90% of what I watch. I don't really like good <laughs> movies. I don't have good taste. Really? I don't. Because I also... Well, if something makes me laugh or feel on the edge of my seat or whatever it's trying to do intentionally, I consider it a good movie. So a bad yes. movie would be it's making me laugh by mistake yes. and nothing ever makes me laugh by mistake. Like in bad movies where the where stuff is bad, like the editing's bad and the acting's bad, I'm just bored. Mm. Uh, I you don't have know a, why it you doesn't have work. A on recessive me. anti bad movie gene uh, i do it is it's, it is a medical yeah. problem and i pity you and i regret that but if you were next to like a really funny friend and they said something awesome like um oh, editing fail you'd be like oh my god you're right that is funny um yeah like if someone gave me a like a that's gotta hurt yeah i would oh. lose my shit well, i'm right that's I'm funny that's down gotta hurt. have you ever heard this one it goes uh that's gonna leave a mark oh that's good uh, it's really good yeah that's i think um the act to break a schindler's list is that yes gonna leave a mark, yeah right? and then it yeah. But they're talking about German marks, which he's using. Muggled the. The point is, I could have I could have justified that if I took long enough. You get the idea. Yeah, yeah. I saw you building that joke and and then watched you bail on it. Sure. And I, I appreciate both those sentiments. I don't think of it as bailing as efficiency. It's like why'd the chicken cross the road? You get the. Yeah, you, we don't you get need what it. I'm going for. We don't need to finish yeah. it. Well, I just finished um, an article called "60 Sexy Spells." Great segue. Thank you. Very well done. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the horrors of Nazi Germany remind me of the, the silly book I just finished making fun of. Only they'd had these seduction spells. <laughs> right. And this was a, a book written in 2001. And what, what made it pretty notable was it was very, very inclusive, which was ahead of its time. 
uh, I guess the witchcraft or the Wiccan community was probably a little uh, ahead of the rest of us when it comes to that. What's weird is you open it up and it's just karate instructions. <laughs> right. Like, what the fuck? That would so not be out of place. Like 90% <laughs> yeah. of these books at some point, they take a turn for karate and you're like, yeah, yeah I knew that was coming. There's always... Everything you guys cover includes at least like one caption that's like, go for the groin to disable the attacker. <laughs> and you're like, I thought this was a puppetry book. What is this? <laughs> Just solid advice. Yes. I at think any lunatics time. just are the only people that believe in karate, but they believe in karate so hard. Yeah. That it carries over everything. Is entwined with weirdos in some way. The art of self defense and being a weirdo is there's some kind of resonance there. Sorry, Sean, what are you working on? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is very little self defense in this book. It is um it's mainly about how you as a very sexy goddess witch can use your witch powers to attract others and it's uh a series I'm of like listening. placebo effects basically like these these spells that um don't work by like admission of the book's author they're like oh we left out some stuff because like we can't trust you with the magic so it's basically a list of useless rituals to give you the confidence you might need to attract you, a mate you can't even like buy the rest like they're not even they, going to sell you they the hint at working it. part of the spells. It's it's just like this plausible deniability that they built into their book, which I think is the context that makes it funny to me because it's just a book of functional spells that you can just do and they work or they don't. And then you'll be like, okay, this, this witchcraft obviously doesn't work. Oh yeah, I do live in a world where magic isn't real. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. But... Um, I had a friend who used to do, she was, she's like a hippie to the extreme mm-hmm. and would do this. There's this book Yoko Ono wrote that are prescribed experiences. Okay. So oh, it's I like, she wrote she a book of magic. I was so here for every Yoko's day. Book of magic. No, but it's exactly what you're talking about. It's a ritual that has no meaning or function. Right. So you'd like, she'd open it up and be like, okay, I have to take a, a bite of a plum walk in a counterclockwise circle in my living room eight times while I think about my deepest regret. Why? Yoko Ono said too, it's the 47th thing in the book oh, that it that says book. to do. No. Another day it'll be yep. like rip paper and listen to the ripping paper oh, while these are all gold. your right leg firmly. And it's like, that definitely uh, would do something yeah, magic. It's just, it just kills time. Yeah. Gets you closer to that old gravestone. You, you know, like you did something right with your morning. You got time to fill. It's stuff to do. <laughs> it's the perfect pandemic book. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna find that. It's that or Scott Adams' daily affirmations, and you don't want to do what Scott Adams says. So yeah, I think it, is that that Dilbert Wick guy? is the way to go. Yeah, yeah, he's super into daily. Like he believes that all of his tremendous success has come from a his genius ability to cold read and manipulate others, and yeah. b. <laughs> Um, daily affirmations, you know, the thing where you write it 15 times a day on a paper and it comes true. Yeah. The secret. I've heard him say that, uh, that Trump is a master manipulator. I've heard him say that many times, which I Trump is a master. Is he human, wrong? It, based like on the human, total what? downfall of our society? I do feel like it's provably false with most people. Uh, but the, it's provably uh, false on a one-to-one basis, sure. but he does seem to be it's able to manipulate true on 75 crowds. million. Volts. Yeah, no, it's a weirdly high number. I, he's not wrong all the time. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was of the opinion that Scott Adams was totally full of shit about the whole Trump thing until the whole Trump thing. And now I'm like, listen, I don't like you, but, uh, <laughs> I gotta give you that one, that one thing and nothing mm-hmm. else ever. Again I feel like those 75 million people have had their brains softened over the course of like decades. Like I think if right, but you just gotta find them, I guess. Sure, <laughs> whatever. Great job, everybody. The Trump people, if you're listening. 
We gotta, we gotta cut that off. We'll be here all day if we break the seal on the Trump shit. So, uh, anyway, that's what we've been up to. We, uh, sex and um, Groundhog Day. So that's it. And, and then, um, speaking of idiots and manipulation, yeah, we're going to do Ready Player Two. Oh my god, we're gonna do <gasps> Ready Player Two. I'm so excited for this. Oh, that does excite me. I've been Ready Player One because that came out in between the. There's like a lot of crackedish stuff about Ready Player One that I wish I had was like, I wish I had worked somewhere where it was the right time and place to rip into Ready Player One. Right. Jesus, that story. What's crazy about it is when it came out, I remember talking about it with friends and like none of us hated it. It just sort of felt like young adult literature that that felt um, like it was catering to us too hard. Like, like I think what I said about it was that just it seemed like a guy who was kind of cleverly inventing a world where the dumb shit he knows made him the most important person in the world, which we all agreed mm-hmm. kind of gave us a nice feeling. And then um, I just didn't really think about the book. And then uh, I think I picked it up like a few months later when my brother was like, dude, you got to check this book out. Ready Player One. I'm like, you really liked it that much? And then I started reading it a second time. And Changed I was like, my this life, is, bro. This is truly terrible. And then, of course, we all agreed yeah. like as a as a as, as a people that it's that as it's a garbage culture. it's it's real da vinci code shit <laughs> where it's like the plot and i would argue most of harry potter is roughly this too the plot the order sequence of, of events that happen is like good and compelling enough that it's a catchy hit but the writing the fabric of the writing is like it's, ranges from terrible to mediocre it's phenomenally bad and the movie i was actually i have big problems with the movie I don't remember if they did this exact thing in the book, but they have the Iron Giant mm-hmm. go berserk and kill a bunch of people. The whole point of the Iron Giant is I am not a gun. Like as a yeah, kid, that, that was so important to me. He doesn't understand what's good about He doesn't the understand what is right. transcendent about the pop culture that he embraces. He just yeah. knows that it's there. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. there, he did a follow He's up. He's Chris Farley from uh, those sketches. That was awesome. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> I'm sure you both uh, heard of Armada. I don't know if you've read it, but um, I'm looking at it. Yeah. Okay. Great. I don't know. Armada. No, I haven't heard a of it. Signed copy. Of Armada it. was. Oh my god. What's Armada with you? <laughs> uh, this is the shit, folks. This is the good times that we'll miss when I'm gone. We're going out on that one, right? Keep the hot <laughs> yeah. Just song. cut. Cut there. One nine hundred. I know. So he he followed up his first book, his huge hit book, with this fucking book, Armada, which was just The Last Starfighter, uh, only a novel of it. And and dumber, way dumber. Way dumber, right. And of course, not original, but it, it was um, very referential, but almost to the past the point of crutch. Like, like he would describe things as if like he'd walk into a hangar or a spaceship and say, oh, it's just like this, this the hangar in last starfighter as if like the reader he didn't want to do the heavy lifting of like explaining to the reader what it looked like I mean, he's just like go go watch was, the movie come back it's it looked just, like, just that. like the last starfighter there was a, a pattern to the the book that once i saw it uh cracked me up every single time i saw it which was a person would make a reference uh and then another character would like recognize the reference and and then another character would be very very proud of them for both making and then recognizing they the reference. They would actually pause and, and say, you did a really good job doing that. All the time. Like, every fucking page it happened. And I'm not exaggerating. If you read that book, it, it was it was like he gave himself this this insane task to do it on every page, and he did. Flawlessly. Pulled it off flawlessly. Yeah. He never, never failed to do it. He was just... Every character was so proud of the other characters for knowing the references, and it was just the sexiest shit in the world. Like, oh, I liked how all you, the characters knew the reference. 
but they still explained it to each other. Like, I get that reference. That's exactly like, and they, there's like a paragraph explaining the reference. Yeah, and I think we all have friends who, who communicate with movie quotes, and it's like a comfort zone for a lot of people, but uh, I just, I can't imagine them explaining it every time. It'd be it, oh, yeah. exhausting. It's the opposite of it's the opposite of the direction of culture and society. Like we don't do that. We do the opposite of that. If anything, but seriously, Michael, that that most likely reference from the hit film Star Wars that was kind of amazing. And I mean, I'm sliding my underwear off right now. Very sexy. Oh, it reminded me of um, you know the second Darren from Bewitched. I'll explain. <laughs> <laughs> Very good reference. That's a show about a witch. Witches are uh, karate masters. Yeah, we've established that. That's a callback. I'm writing all of this down because it made him a billion dollars. <laughs> He's a very wealthy man. Do you guys get the same pleasure you get from bad movies from bad books? Because I think a bad book actually would make me chortle. I do. Writing so sacred and something we all excel at is pretending to write badly for humorous effect Mm -hmm. so seeing genuine shit writing that does tickle me there's something there maybe i'll check out armada oh i highly recommend it i have a game where my wife and i well if you walk past (laughs) it and you make eye contact with the title you have to stop and read one sentence read a passage (laughs) it always it always cheers you up nice well today i'm going to read you some passages from ready player two in fact not some passages i'm just going to start at the beginning of the book i want you to interrupt me when it sucks Chapter one is called Cutscene, which is a, a, that a reference to. Yeah. <laughs> we stop I'm going to try. I'm going to actually try and wait until, like, until you see the whites of the suck. Like, I'm going to wait until it really, really sucks. I'll do my best. Well, keep going. If Brockway goes, whoever, whoever calls it first, Sean, can you keep going and we'll see when the second person calls it? Okay. Yeah. After I won Halliday's contest, I remained offline for nine straight days, a new personal record. When I finally logged back into my Oasis account, I was sitting in my new corner office on the top floor of the GSS skyscraper in downtown Columbus, Ohio, preparing to start my gig as one of the company's new owners. The other three were still scattered across the globe. Shoto had flown back home to Japan to take over operations at GSS's Hokkaido division. Ake was enjoying an extended vacation in Senegal, a country she'd dreamed of visiting her whole life because her ancestors had come from there. And Samantha Sucks. Had flown. Sucks. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe I outlasted you. He does. He does. He has like this, um, like X Men understanding of like international characters, where the Japanese guy is like obsessed with honor and samurais. And I was. It's Star Trek: The Next Generation rules, where like everyone yeah. represents the monolith that is their planet or their exactly. everybody's really into where they came from that's that's what all humans are like right right all i talk to you guys about is portland oregon that's really all i'm interested that's right. in that's the only thing i know about i tie everything back mm-hmm. to the you rainy, love microbrews the rainy fields of portland mm-hmm. or and you have some opinion about rampant white supremacy i forget which it is pro or con but uh okay but now i'm, not, the I'm time. not personally saying yeah. pro but Portland, <laughs> Portland is very pro. That was hard. That was like upsettingly boring the yes. whole time. I agree. But they say grab your reader with your first line and don't let go. And he hasn't even reached. Oh, is that the first? Is that the opening of the that's book? The opening. It's literally the opening of the book. Oh, man, that's really it's describing sad. their business. It makes me sad. And uh, to set it up. He's now like the richest, most powerful person in the world by right. So you're much. literally you're Who giving you? parallel sentence structures, which is inherently boring. With and the story you're dispensing is there are no stakes. Everything right. was fine. He was rich and cool. 
Yeah. He was probably skateboarding. He's now as like rich and Robocop. powerful as the bad guys <laughs> from the first book. I man, the the thing that got me about the movie that I wanted to do a whole cracked article about is this kid becomes king of the universe and decides that the whole message is that we should turn off the internet one day a week bitch everyone's still living in stacked trailer homes like what are they supposed to do that one day a week you're rich as hell it's it's like if willie it's like if uh charlie took over the chocolate factory and was like and i declare the problems in the middle east resolved and you're like that has nothing to do with this the fuck are you talking about we will allow one out of every five oompa loompas visitation rights to his family yeah you just won the lottery that doesn't affect anyone else the message of that book at the end was like maybe i'm on the internet too much that's what we learned that's that's the whole book came to you coming to that realization like 13% too much i i just one paragraph is what you need for that revelation. It took the world to be a dystopia for you to learn that. <laughs> maybe, maybe lay off the internet. I, there's a scene in the movie that uh, that I think is dumber than any other, and and that's a, a high bar. And it's the scene where everyone is having a VR battle against the the super bad guys, and they're in the street like doing straight up like hurricane kicks, like while they're in their VR headsets, like. The, the If that's their world building, that they have to actually do flying kicks and walk around in the real world while they can't right. fucking see. Everybody's dead. It, right. It's just like Michael Swain's VR porn catastrophe. <laughs> right. like somebody's going into a thresher. Like somebody's putting their dick in a wood chipper. Right. And counting both my hands, I only had to move three parts of my body. They had, they're like control. They have a whole kinesthetic thing going on. Oh, so you bought the blowjob machine. <laughs> no, the third part. Wait, what would the third part then be? My head? I guess I have to move my head to look around. I mean, yeah, if I you're any the good. Machine. Let's say I bought the blowjob machine. Okay, good. I actually took the floor model, uh, the one that they let everyone use because it was yeah. a little cheaper. I, I swear. Uh, Who am I kidding? I waited in the alley and when they threw out a busted blowjob machine, I took it home. God damn it. You got me. You're good. Wait, which alley? Because I did uh, leave a few blowjob (laughs) machines lying around your neighborhood. Fuck. It it said Sean on it. I just thought that was good luck. They were traps. They don't let go. It is pretty good luck. It served me well. The old old bear trap model. I had to downgrade. I'm like more of a country guy. I don't like all that cyber stuff. I like a nice wooden blowjob machine. Oh, you've lapsed back into reading from Ready Player Two now? That- <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a line from Ready Player Two. I'm going to skip one, ahead. because One day a is- week, I mandated wooden blowjob machines. <laughs> How close do we get to a blowjob machine in Ready Player Two? Because I bet... Well, yeah, uh, there's, they've got to explore the line, blur the line between romance and technology. That's part of the thing. It's young, it's young adult romance in, so, in a VR world. Um, so now the main character is... Mm-hmm. Um, Traveling through his like super tower that he now owns, and um, super relatable, love him already. He has a se- super secret room that controls the world, and he says no other avatars could enter this room. No one could have tampered with the egg, so there's only one way that inscription could have gotten there. Halliday himself must have programmed it to appear on the egg's surface. It could have appeared right after Anorak gave me his robes, and I'd just been too distracted to notice. I bent down to read the inscription: GSS thirteenth floor, vault number forty-two. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Shut up. Forty two eight six seven five three zero nine four twenty sixty nine. Fuck you. Simultaneous breaking point on that one. This is like snow crash with brain damage. It's, it's so fucking bad. I'm sure at some point somebody says this is just like snow crash. 
<laughs> that it would be bizarre if he got through the whole book without actually he's pro- he probably never muscled his way through snow crash like yeah. in life it doesn't feel like his thing plus i, I feel like the, his world is built around uh, 80s nostalgia and uh snow crash was what a 2005 movie or something Oh yeah, but Snow Crash no, the has the works. exact same thing where there's oh that's the Snow Crash book, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you're book right. has like a virtual world where I mean, there's literally a scene where he enters like a cone of silence where other avatars are locked out. But as you're reading it, it it feels fucking cool. It feels like you're in Blade Runner. <laughs> Just a very right. different when experience. Was Snow Crash, early '90s. No, I um I fucked up. I was this is gonna sound stupid. I was thinking Snow Piercer, which is a, a very embarrassing mistake. But um. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, the, the, the cyberpunk book. Snow Crash is yeah. a really dope cyberpunk book about a pizza delivery guy. That was a good way to make <laughs> us explain that reference, though. That was pretty clever. <laughs> yeah. it's a, Okay, so now he's armed with this new knowledge, this 8675309. I gave them all a polite nod and pressed the 13 button. According to the interactive building directory on my phone, the 13th floor was where the GSS archives were located. Of course Halliday had put them there. In one of his favorite TV shows, Max Headroom, Network 23's hidden research and development lab was located on the 13th floor. And the 13th floor was also (laughs) the title of an old sci-fi film about virtual reality. Released in 1999, right on the heels of both... Released in 1999? (laughs) What is this now, a Gene Shalit? This is like a Gene Shalit digest review of... When the movie came out? Fuck. Why, why is it oh, man. the story that you're telling? The onboard elevators AI, yeah. much like a turbo lift computer from Star Trek's The Next Generation, if you will, then sprang to life saying, hey, good job on that 13th floor reference. This sounded right. like so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that we would have... Um, I'm already so tired. I thought we'd be having fun, but I think we all hate it. Yeah. Just in a... In a... I don't get it because, you know... Evans and Cody and Katie read that Ben Shapiro book, and it sounds like they have such a fun time. Well, Maybe they're um, better friends than yeah, us. Yeah, I think they I like know. each other more. That's very possible. I think they I like I think there might just be more love in the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. I like you guys. It's a self-loathing thing. That's got to be it. All right. I'm going to do a word search on my Kindle because they're. I think we should. That's what we need to go for is uh, make our own fun. Does it offend you guys when like it used to when I was like an angry young man? I kind of have outgrown it. But does it bother you when a bad writer has tremendous success like and it's really bad and you can't wrap your head around it like this? Does that bother you at all? On an intellectual level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get like jealous, but uh I, I get frustrated with the failure of like, uh, like my fellow Americans. You know what I mean? Like systemically, just yeah. the fact that the globe would trickle this up versus there must be so many better stories that we'll never hear that we could have heard instead. Right. And I mean, we mostly owe his success to his hustle. That's how a lot of bad writers are actually right. really good promoters. And he is a really good promoter. I think you could say that about J.K. Rowling and the Da Vinci Code guy as well, yeah. Yeah, like there's, I don't get that jealousy so much because you succeeded for something. It's rare that you, it was nothing. Uh, and in this case, it's your, your hustle and promotion. So if, if it gets to the point where you get mad at somebody for it, then it's like, well, maybe I could learn. No, Sean Baby's more correct. It's not, and I again, I I've outgrown it. Oh well, fuck but you. I, <laughs> but I used to get mad at. He's used at, to hearing that. I used to get mad at society. Like I'd go to comic. Like I used to go to SD Comic Con every year, and I'd go to the you know big Hall H panels, and someone would come up and be like, 
literally the director, the one I remember was the Beowulf, one of the Beowulf movies, came up and was like, I don't even know how I got this, man. Like, my mind is blown. I've never made a movie before. I don't know anyone. Like, it's crazy. Anyway, they gave me $20 million to make this movie. Can you believe it? Here's a clip. It's like the worst shit I've ever seen. And it's just the systemic failure that you're like, yeah, I agree. Why you? I don't understand. Was that the one with Christopher Lambert? Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah, that was very bad. It was very bad. That the CGI one? The monster was CGI, yeah. The guy was you know a guy. What, uh, you know what Beowulf movie I like? Uh, 13th Warrior with uh, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, that's a, there's another 13th. He missed it. He should have put that in this passage. Right. I think it would have enriched the People reading experience. People have made this movie before you. And you know what floor they Recently. fought Slimer on in Ghostbusters? The fucking 13th. Uh, oh, that actually makes sense in retrospect. Okay, sure. <laughs> All right, here's a line I love. Uh Kira had visited Miyazaki on a weekly basis for several years. There's a planet in this uh, world where it's just based on Miyazaki movies. And mm-hmm. now I was able to say the name thing, say, say the same thing. But like Bono before me, I still hadn't found what I was looking for. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Can you fucking imagine? Writing that down and looking at that. And, oh, we're having fun again. And, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my God. I would, I would be I, so sometimes embarrassed. Sometimes when you that... say something, when I hear something, and I just know that it's going to stay with me for life. <laughs> like, I can feel that one imprinting. As I, as I opened the rusty garden gate and stepped into Marcy's playground, I did smell sex and candy hair. It's fun. It's fun to try and write like him. I enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. No one would be able to distinguish a parody of this from the original. I couldn't hustle like him, though. I couldn't. That's the problem is I couldn't present this manuscript and go, this is good. Give me your trust. Well, he piled into his car. He bought a bunch of you know author copies and he drove around to bookstores all across the country and just put it in their hands and told them to sell it and begged them to sell it. And uh, I was not, I was pretty far after Ready Player One, but somewhere around there on my book tour. So everywhere I went, somebody wanted to talk to me about Ernest Klein and Ernest Klein was here, you know, last year, year before or whatever, with just a trunk load of copies of his own book, trying to pressure me into selling it. And some of the people were like, isn't that amazing? Like that hustle. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. But some of the people were like, I hated it, but he wouldn't leave yeah. until I bought a bunch of copies. So I bought a bunch of copies. All right. Have you seen the founder? He used, he used that money. He used that money to buy a DeLorean, what in course he did, and then gave it away to promote the book. They're like, dude's got hustle. Obnoxious smart, hustle. Smart, obnoxious hustle. hustle yeah. I did see The Founder with Michael Keaton. Yeah, that, I'm getting flashes of The Founder where it's like uh, someone who became... Because here's the thing about how it just is. <laughs> Humans are on a spectrum from avoiding confrontation to not giving a shit about confrontation to loving confrontation. Right. People who love confrontation will end up, by and large, generally on top like assholes will win in a lot of mundane ways maybe not in the long term in some key ways but like i don't know assholes will float to the top and as long as we have systems that allow for it right the person Mm -hmm. who's selfish and willing to go well i'll take more of the pie if no one if everyone else is being polite i'll fucking take the whole thing they'll get the whole thing right exactly like your trumps are they have something going for them which is Everyone else is too polite to go as far as them. Right. It's the Kaiser Soze method, dude. It works. There was a scene in The Founder where Michael Keaton walks onto a golf course with a burger, furious that it has lettuce on it. Mm-hmm. And 
there's always a, a scene like this in a biopic where it's just a moment that tries to like cram a whole bunch of like a character's obsession into like an actual event that almost certainly didn't take place. Right. But I remember thinking, oh, this is one of those scenes. But also like, why put something so fucking stupid in the movie that like will make me turn on that character? Your protagonist is now like a full lunatic. He's like, there's lettuce in here. He's like, dude, I'm playing golf. And the, the other character was right to say, like, what the fuck are you doing here talking about lettuce? And he's like, you got to follow the recipe. There's no lettuce on the burger. And everyone there is like, we agree with the guy who doesn't care about the lettuce, just like the <laughs> audience of this film. You're a madman. But I guess that was the point is that he's he had I this, think that it's acceptable because vision. it was supposed to be by the end. You are supposed to think, oh, he's a piece of shit. I didn't realize right. that at the very beginning. At the beginning, I admired his pluck. Now I realize he will destroy us all <laughs> with his bottomless pit of avarice. And that is America. And that is McDonald's. And it's yeah. delicious. And we love it. But up, 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 Brought to you by. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, or a McDonald's, something like that. You, you get what I'm going for. I get it. I'm proud of you for it's that. The Ernest Klein method. I'm, I'm searching through this book. I'm going to find some more um, terrible shit to read. Maybe Please. we should. Um, do some search by keywords. Maybe, um, Michael, try to think of something that almost certainly is in this book, but is also going to be very stupid. Family ties. Family ties. Sorry, I stole it from That's Michael. That's all right. Michael I said family next. ties. Family ties and no, t- no family, no family no ties. No family ties. Try, well, but that word could just come up randomly. I was going to say crossfire. Crossfire. We're going to get in the crossfire. Like that game? I guarantee you, even if he just says there was a crossfire, he's going to pause that scene That's and be true. like, just like that game. Sequest. Uh, Sequest. I doubt it. There's no, no? way. No? All right. Uh, Project I'll, I'm looking. See, my taste is too obscure. I was always an indie kid. <laughs> Do you remember oh, Project Geeker? No one does. That's right. No one. I, uh, I don't. Freakazoid. Maybe- Let's uh, see. Fucking, what would it... What? I think that's too late. Yeah, what would definitely be in there? Magnum P.I. Tron. Ooh. I mean, well, Tron just is what the book is. Okay, wait, Magnum P.I. Airwolf is in there. Okay. You found Magnum P.I.? Yeah, here we go. I put on my imaginary Detroit Lions ball cap and shifted my brain into Magnum P.I. detective mode. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that's shit. really good. I knew, I knew it was going to be exactly that. I knew it was going to be a, so bad. Um, some sort of, I thought it was going to be his shirt. I thought he was going to have a Magnum PI Hawaiian shirt oh. or possibly the car, I guess. And it was going to put him into Magnum PI sexy detective mode. <laughs> uh, Pac-Man and or Tetris. I want to get a hit. This game is going to infuriate me if I don't get a hit. <laughs> we got two Pac-Mans. All right. Pac-Man, a classic. Willie Beamish. Given my previous visits to Happy Time Pizza, my surroundings should have felt familiar, but it was the opposite because this time I was wearing the Oni. This time I could smell the tomato sauce and burnt pepperoni grease in the air. I could feel the subtle vibrations of the sound system speakers through the floorboards pulsing in time with the bass line as they blasted the song Obsession by Animotion. This time I felt like I was really here, like I genuinely traveled back in time to Middletown, Ohio, sometime in the late 1980s. I don't know. I don't know what happened to Pac-Man. It's just gone. All right. <laughs> no, but that was good. Um, pizza yeah, good. with a slice removed looks like Pac-Man. I thought that's where it was going to wind up. Yeah, I think that's where it's it was. It's got that like Dennis Miller cadence where he has to like pause, slip in the brand name. And emotion. And that's where the comedy comes. We have the song Obsession. Ooh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, that's going to be bad. 
I'm going to be offended if there's none. Okay. I'm the only Sonic supporter amongst the entire cracked diaspora. Okay. So, Jesus Christ, this fucking book. Tell me, Mobius Prime was another Oasis world created solely by Kira Moro as a tribute to her favorite video game character, Sonic the Hedgehog. The planet was a recreation of the fictional future Earth where most of Sonic's adventures took place, and it featured reproductions of all of the different levels featured in early 2D and 3D Sonic games, along with environments and characters from the cartoons and comic books based on them. So just nobody can... There's just like loops and fucking spike hits. Everybody's it's such just a dying. Nobody can go anywhere. It's dry, boring, like Wikipedia paragraph. It really it's is. describing the most incredible... You're like, yeah, this person's yeah, literally... Someone made a Sonic planet, and then someone made a Star Wars planet, and a Magnum P.I. planet, and um... It's so matter of fact. It's just... my book crazy yeah right there's no there's no joy in it he doesn't get yeah exactly what what joy there is in the reference he just gets that the reference right not happy about the reference he doesn't get he's just like or why you'd like it connecting things with a line and saying those things happened in 1989 there you go and like walking out of the room confidently that's the product fuck you let me do let me do one more and then we can do something else. Uh, yeah, and then I think we should just break Airwolf. this Kendall in half. Oh my God, I hope there's Airwolf. There's got to be Airwolf, right? It would be so it's gotta good. got to be Street Fighter, he, right? He probably flies an Airwolf. No, Airwolf. There is a part of this See? book where he has to fight like seven princes, like like the musician. Like they have like raspberry berets and little red Corvettes and all these song references. And, and do two of them stand before you? That's what I, I said, almost, yeah? Almost certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably, don't know if he fights right? two princes. Is that some bread now? Well, I would think when it gets down to two, he would throw that line in. He would throw that paragraph in explaining. (laughs) Two princes stand before you now. There's a lot to break down here. (laughs) I am referring both to Prince and... Okay, this is it. You're going to love this. Mm -hmm. You drive, Z, Ake said. The little red Corvette won't start for you unless you're wearing the raspberry beret. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what it sounds like when doves cry. That's... I, that's got to be in there. I'm going to look for that. That's got to be the next line of dialogue, right? It's not exactly. Somebody there. gets beaten. Ooh, Somebody gets defeated. I bet the car says, engine sounds like a dove crying. Listen to that baby cry. <laughs> <laughs> try uh, try Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter for me. Okay. Member Combats with a K. No Mortal Kombat. I, I'm, no Kombat. I, I knew. I knew. I know you know. I know. All right. And no Street Fighter. Ooh, what about Magic the Gathering? Got to be in there. Sorry, I'm taking the guest privilege. Uh, yeah, Brockway, you should you go next. This is fun. I like this game. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty good. I don't see any uh, Magic the Gathering. All right, all right. A, a lot of the word magic, but I'm 0 for three. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the ones that hurt. You are shooting outside the 80s, Michael. You're I mean Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. That's true. Our early 90s. That's true. I'm gonna go for the Golden Idol, Mr. T. Oh, very nice. Come on, Mr. T. Show me, Mr. T. Mm. Survey says. I've I've got no Mr. T. Oh, what about A Team in general? Maybe the it's just A-team. an A Team. Try the A Team. I'm gonna try it. I'm on A Team. Someone has to have Van, right? It's possible that all of these were in the first book, and he and he has a no, he's not big that good. spreadsheet where he says I've <laughs> done just, this one. So to be creative, off. now I have to do book. this one. <laughs> He just writes all of the references yeah. down and crosses them off. Now, now I have to get this next one in here. He does uh, dolphin from Sequest. He does make reference to the A team, but as 
like the tip top team. He says the A team is back in action, just like the old times. But the, no, 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 That's no one, not, no one says we I'm can't the Hannibal go out on that. and I'm the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try uh, Van Halen. That's pretty good. I think that might be too cool for him. Though. <laughs> I don't think he was cool in the eighties. Magnum PI is cool. <laughs> <laughs> is he? No. Is no. he? Luckily, I had the best guitar teacher imaginable. A fully licensed hologram of the great Edward Van Halen, <laughs> yeah! circa the release of 1984. He was a taskmaster, oh. too. Thanks to his tutelage, I was starting to get pretty good. Then or he I turned could... <laughs> to me and said, you're even better than me, Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> God damn. You're the Van Halen now. Okay, I'm going to queue up a Sean Baby's book game. You know what time it is. Boom. Okay. Now, this book game is from 60 Sexy Spells, featured on 1-900-HOT-DOG. And I'm going to... Uh, you need to pick a number between 1 and 60. And you're going to do this twice. You're going to pick two spells to seduce me. And you're each going to do this, and uh, we'll see how it works. So, uh, Michael, as our guest, pick a spell between 1 and 60. And remember, you're, uh, you're trying to seduce me. 47, my friend. Okay. So, 47... To scry information on the one you fancy. Hell yeah. Now, this one you use some uh, some candles, some sandalwood incense, and some beetroot juice, and some oil of frankincense. And remember, she has left something out, so this is not going to work. It's myrrh. And then, um, uh, <laughs> it's probably myrrh. It's clearly and myrrh. The, the best times to do it is the dark moon, the new moon, or the full moon. Really, any, any really, kind any of moon, moon should be fine, really. So you're going to want to look into the cauldron, and then you'll see patterns emerging that uh, concern me. So you'll get some good intel on me. But the, wait, like I might just find out that you memorized that movie, right? Like, yeah, you might just be like, oh, he really science. likes, he really liked weird science as a child. The book explicitly says this won't work though, right? That's the premise of the spell is that it won't work. Well, the, she says in the intro that she has left out a crucial ingredient that like we can puzzle through if we solve some sort of puzzle she doesn't give the rules on. Ah. <laughs> so I'm just saying. If you were that, a witch, you'd know. <laughs> Yeah, if you were a witch, you'd know. So, but we'll, for the purposes of this game, we'll assume it works and you've solved that puzzle and you've, you've cast the spell and now you, you're seeing hints, vague, very, very vague hints of, um, of me. So that's, that's your spell so far. Uh, so Brockway, your turn to, to pick a spell. Oh, we're in competition. We're vying yeah. for your heart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 11. Give me number 11. Okay. Number 11. I like that the premise of this game is that you will not fall to one spell. We will need multiple spells to take you down. You have exactly. some sort of magical. This heart has walls around it. Yeah, this he has is. Um, He's been burned before. The the spell number eleven is, and I quote, "Magical face mask for a special date." Oh, fuck and, yeah, um, it's a face off spell. This is yes, this is a homemade uh, a homemade facial. So you're gonna have a nice glow on our date. You use an egg, some runny honey. Uh, some lecithin, some almond oil, some thyme leaves, and apple pips. And uh, yeah, you're, you're going to have a nice um, smooth glow on our date. Not a, I wouldn't call it a spell, but uh, but I'm, I am holding a book of magic what that does it, call wait, it a what spell. What is it supposed so. to do? It's just a face mask. Like it just you, makes you look nice. Whereas I scried. I, I know something about you that's face. intimate. This is bullshit. It's not polyjuice potion. It's well, just a mask. home remedy for a facial mask. It's just... To cleanse your pores and exfoliate. It may, it's only face off in the sense that 
it makes you look like you traded faces with a guy who has egg and apple pips all over his face. That's it. You're telling me my wife is a witch. (laughs) Yeah. According to this book, if she was to make her own facial mask out of this crap, then uh, yeah, that would count as a spell. I've always never been able to prove it until right now. So far, Michael has some information on me. Vague as it might be in his cauldron. And then uh, Brockway has a nice glow to his skin. He's looking pretty good. Mm -hmm. He's having a good face day. So uh, pick a spell between 1 through 60, Michael, and see what what you're rounding this out with. I will cleverly use the classic Price is Right technique and defeat Robert with number 12. Okay. This actually sounds quite powerful. Number 12, to get what you want. That's all it says. That's a good spell right there, (laughs) motherfucker. And I know what you want. Why are there other spells? The title. That (laughs) should be the book. The book should just be a pamphlet with that spell in it. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's it's just this and variations on love potions and then a few home home remedies for like shampoos and face masks. Mm -hmm. It's honestly, I'm looking at this. It's as simple as what it sounds like. You put some messages in a bottle and buried in a tree after some sort of a ritual, and then you just get what you want. So it's going to be tough to beat, Brockway. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, beat that. The the crudely drawn images of myself and Sean that I stuffed in that tree are bound to come to pass. <laughs> Unless there's a spell in there to kill a rival witch. What if you I'm... pick one that's like, yeah, <laughs> completely kill, sap the destroy energy Destroy a rival. All right. See if it works out for all you. All right. If Good it's luck. in there, it's high all stakes. down to this. Number 58. It's got to be towards the end. It's Number 58. If there was a spell that was like smite your opponent, it's got to be later in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I okay. agree with that logic. Number 58. One enchanted evening. God damn it. Wow, that's so, so this specific. One is, in the month of May, sit with your loved one under a new moon and share an orange together. <laughs> Come on, that's so Michael can get anything he wants, but you have invited me to share an orange while you're having a really good face day. I don't, <laughs> I can't even imagine a world where Michael doesn't win this. So congratulations, Michael Swaim, on winning Sean Baby's book game. Sean Baby's hard and one, book game, one-time champion. <laughs> and thank you for the orange, Robert. I had a really nice date. <laughs> but you're not Be honest. This. You, don't you came to... home and you split that orange with me, baby. You know where your bread is buttered. You're yeah. just going to ghost me after I found the best fucking orange in the world. <laughs> no bullshit. It's a great orange. I, if he didn't have the spell that got him anything he wanted, I mean, it, I'd <laughs> yeah. say it's one of the most magical nights I've ever had. Sweet orange versus anything you want. Right. By the way, do you plan to play this book game again in the future? Because Not this particular one. Okay, They're all custom. Good. Because 12 is... I, I think I just won the... You know what I mean? Like, right. I broke Nothing's that gonna game. Beat that. Nothing beats Everybody's 12. Everybody's just going to come on and have Michael's picks out. Like, yeah. Okay, I spy on you to find out what you want, and then I use get what you want. Mm-hmm. Boom, I'm sucking at Sean Baby Dick before dinner. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you're going to have to get out of this blowjob machine. Yeah. Boom, I think the, that's our out. Me and the Boom, tree I- have an understanding. <laughs> that's a good out. Uh, but before we go, yeah, Michael, let's, uh, what would you like to plug? Good gentleman. You can find out everything I'm working on uh, either by following IGN generally, but man, they put out a ton of shit. So the easiest way to find out the stuff that I'm most passionate about and and track me is uh, patreon.com slash small beans. That's the name the of small our outfit. Beans. Yeah, it's me and a bunch of other ex-cracked folks. So that's like our corner of 
I mean, I feel like we're all basically sister operations. Gamefully Unemployed, 1-900-HOT-DOG. Uh, you know, Teresa Lee's got her thing going on. Um, but our little corner of that universe is called Small Beans. All right. Thank you very much. And um, congratulations on, our, um, on winning my heart through the power of magic. Yeah. You're in love with me now, so... Yeah. And then it clearly it feels the good. world. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. It's not like a, it's not a terrible yearning. It's just a nice warm glow in my heart. It's tempered by quarantine, but I think when quarantine lifts, we will inevitably just go crazy on each other. But that's oh, yeah. for then, not now. I'm gonna, not I'm yet. gonna tear you in half. You're a tall, big man, but I'm like a bear. We're gonna break that blowjob machine together. <laughs> it's gonna be. Beautiful. I'm like a steam train coming at you. <laughs> gonna burst right through your spine. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. It's a podcast canal. Und mit maximalen Schau. Doc Frankfurt podcast. Correct. Yeah. The craft is not trapped, it's not ohne. Schick dich in die Hundesau. Für eine Stunde. Kopf schon. Du kennst die Nummer. This Dog Zone 9000 was made possible by contributions from Hot Dog Supremes like Lane Haygood, Benjamin Siranen, Dr. Awkward, Yosarian, Josh S., Zachary Evans, Adrian Hispan, Aiden Moat, Brianne Whitney, Josh Fabian, Armando Nava, Lyman, Toasty God, Neil Schaefer, Doug Redmond, Javer Al Aiden, David Forna, Mike Stiles, Eric Spaulding, the artist formerly known as Devin, Hawk, Neil Bailey, Micah Phillips, Yanis Ioannidis, Holly Poisuo, John McCann, Nick H., Matt Riley, Rhea, Rich Jocelyn, Ken Paisley, Timmy Leahy, Dean Costello, Three Finger Louie, Nick Ralston, Zadarfan, Jamie Gordon, and Joan.